Welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast, where filmmakers become entrepreneurs. With my dad, he's a dork. Hi, and welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast. I'm your host, Scott McMahon. This is the podcast where we try to help filmmakers become entrepreneurs. And today my guest is casting director Aaron Goodman over at Cast Iron Studios up here in Portland, Oregon. They're one of the main casting studios up here, and they get to handle some of the more high-profile projects up here, such as NBC's Grimm. Uh, A couple seasons ago, they've done TNT's Leverage. They also just started up the new TNT show, Librarian, uh, made by the same guys who did Leverage, so that's good news. They've also done independent features, such as The Wild coming out uh, with Reese Witherspoon, and they've done a lot of high-profile commercials, such as Walmart and Nintendo. So I've gotten a lot of good feedback from the interviews I've done with uh, my agent, um, with uh, actor Ted Rooney, um, with casting director Michael Taylor Fontaine. But I know that locally, everyone really was uh, interested in this particular interview with Erin, as she gives a lot of good insight of what it's like to be a casting director and what her day in the life is like and what she expects from the actors up here and what she has to deal with with the um, executive producers and directors and sort of the level of professionalism. So I think a lot of the acting community, um, because there are a lot of actors who do their own projects, which is kind of fits perfectly into the theme of what it's like to be a film trooper, a filmmaking entrepreneur. So this is a very special look behind the scenes of what to expect if you're going into an audition up here or anywhere for that matter. And I'm sure it's pretty much the same in Los Angeles, at least the time that I spent there. Um, a little bit different, but all in all, it's the same thing. You got to be professional. You go in. You don't expect much. A lot of things out of your control, um, and you just hope to come back another day. As always, if you want to know more about Film Trooper, I offer you a free gift at freegearguide.com, and it's a list of equipment that I use for a feature film I made with no crew, and you can get that again at freegearguide.com. And now that that's taken care of, let's just get on with this interview with Aaron Goodman of Cast Iron Studios. So how long have you been with Lana? (laughs) You said it for five years now, and Cast Iron has been around, the name changed since about two and a half, right? Yeah, and I'll have been there for nine years. You've been nine years? Yeah. I thought it was five. No, No, nine. Nine. It'll be nine in August. Good gracious. Yeah, you're telling me. (laughs) That's funny, because I I had only kind of jumped into this uh, up here in this market uh, not that long ago, so I only only know you. I've never met Lana before, Mm -hmm. so, um, but I think she's like, she's had the... The company for how many years now? Like 15, 20? I think 15, 15, I think is what we're coming up on. Yeah, so she's worked her dues, and I think she's now traveling the world, teaching, you know, um, to other markets and stuff like that. Is yeah, that I mean, she's also, I mean, she is in town, and she's involved on, a, you know, a client basis with some of the larger projects in the theatrical world. Um, but yeah, no, she's got a little bit more freedom these days than she used to. What's well, so crazy? So, what is the? Um, well, how did you end up nine years ago? How did you end up uh, getting into all this? Um, you know, nine years ago, I was leaving Chicago. I had graduated college and moved to Chicago and did uh, you know about a year at a commercial casting company there, and I liked it. I ended up breaking up with my boyfriend at the time and hating okay. Chicago and yeah. moving back. And I was definitely uh, on my way to LA. And crashing with my parents for just a couple weeks, and uh, my 
my mom was like, you should just at least throw out a few resumes and see what happens. And I was like, okay, sure, mom, I'll, I'll work in the film industry in Portland. Uh-huh. Um, but that was a time when things were happening pretty fast, and Lana was actually out of town, the associate at the time. Um, we'd been called in on our first uh, TV movie of the week, and she needed an extra set of hands who had some casting experience. Right. So um, I think I was in Portland for like 11 days without a job, and then I had a job, and I've been here ever since. It wasn't the plan, but it was... <laughs> it wasn't the plan, but it sure was a happy accident, yes. Interesting. So were you born here in Portland? You grew up yeah. here? Okay. Yeah, Portland so. and Vancouver. Oh, okay. Nice. So you're Northwest girl, Pacific yes. Northwest, and so you're like, just need to come back, crash for a bit. Mm-hmm. Of course, your parents are like, you know, throw it out there, see what happens, and happy accident. Oh, my gosh. Yep. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. So what is a... Di- what is like the day in the life of a casting director um, uh, uh, in a studio? I've had friends um, in LA that have done it as well, so everybody sort of have a different thing. Sure. But for those who don't know, um, the day in the life. Day in the life. Um, well, I guess I'm usually at the office by about eight fifteen in the morning. I mean, I guess technically it start like I am a, a terrible habit. I think lots of us in the industry do of like. Opening my eyes and rolling over and checking my phone. Terrible habit. I should break that. But usually nothing has erupted, and so I get into the office around 8.15, respond to emails and confirm schedules and talk to agents and whatnot. Usually our sessions start around 10. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's there's a lot of variation, but you might have a shorter pre-read session followed by a callback session that afternoon if you're working on a television show. Um, if you're on a commercial, you might just do basically like a pre-read all day. Um, there's a lot of different kinds of casting days you could have. Um, and then, you know, end of the day, after we're done seeing people, we're making sure that the clients have the links that they need and they're all happy, and then we go home. <laughs> you're like, and start another day. And so what's again. the turnaround? Because I know that... Um a client will come in and say, we have this project or we need this, um, you know, these are what we're looking, what's what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. And is the turnaround like a week, uh, a couple days? It all varies depending on the client? It does really, it varies, yes, depending on the client and also depending on what medium we're talking about. In a commercial world, I usually have anywhere from two or three days to a week to turn something like that around. Um, in television, it's much, much, much faster. We go from a production meeting to a breakdown to submissions to a schedule being out to pre-reads to callbacks, and that's within 48 hours tops right. on television. Um, that actually more like 36 because we usually have that meeting in the afternoon, and then <laughs> we're with we're in callbacks later, like 24 hours later. Um, and film is a little bit more time, general, yeah. generally. Interesting. So something like um, Leverage and Grimm, do they work in the sort of the same 36, almost 24-hour turnaround where it's like you have your production meeting and this is the breakdown? Uh, most of the time. Most of the time. I'm only assuming yeah. it's because the scripts are constantly changing even within the casting process. Um, yeah. And, you know, they are just extremely scheduled people. 
So they've only got a certain amount of time for casting because they've also got that same chunk to review props and, you know, all of those other little areas that they've got to get to. Now, if we don't find it on the first round, like part of the reason we do it that fast is that it gives us some leeway um, on days two and possibly three um, if we need to look more. So if after day one, the director's like, you know, I just wasn't really feeling any of your security guard number three options, we need to see some more, then we've got another, another time oh, I see. to see those Interesting. Folks. Now, did you get to get, get to go to any of the uh, crew parties at all? To like the rap parties and stuff? Yeah, just, yes, about the end of the season or sure. like that. Oh, good for you. <laughs> it's terrible. I totally skipped the last one. Well, but. I mean, you're that tired sometimes. <laughs> I mean, and, the, you know, those can be real fun. It's one of the downsides, I would say, of the casting business, though, is that we're such a weird little satellite office Yeah. that we don't get to know most of the, you know, on-set crew and right. or the, those people. The, the, the one studio they have where the main operations offices where they get to work mm-hmm. with each other all the time. Mm-hmm. When I first started in the, um, the industry... I worked like the swing gang. Mm-hmm. The swing gang was most un- one of those other unglamorous jobs, mm-hmm. just moving furniture. But the bummer is you're never on set. You're either right. You come to the set after everybody's done to clean up the mess, mm-hmm. move everything in the truck, return all the props and furniture, and then bring and get all the stuff from the other art department to bring it to the new set and set it up for the day before. So you're always constantly just moving and and. Um, furniture and moving things around but you never got any sort of None nobody of even knew who the heck you guys were in the, yeah. in the whole uh, sense of uh, this, the, the, the set and the, and the fun glamour. stuff yeah. yeah and I can imagine like because it says Cast Iron is separate from the main production mm-hmm. office of Seppel like Grimm you're right you show up at a party like well, who are you kind of like I mean it's a weird place where like um you know, we know the executive producers real well, mm-hmm. like the the directors we get to know really well, and the actors. So it's just not a whole lot of the middle that we know very right, well. Right, you know? right, right, right. The interesting dynamic. What do you like working? Um, what's been sort of the most rewarding like projects you've had? I mean, I mean, obviously you guys worked on Leverage and Grimm, and and prior to that. Um, guys who worked on Wild mm-hmm. and the film coming out and a lot of commercials. I know you guys did some like everything, Nintendo, yeah. Walmart. I mean, it's real, it's um, it's one of the things that I like about being a, lo- a local casting director as opposed to working in LA where you really do have to choose one avenue. Right. Um, Because there really are rewarding parts to, to all three, you know? Um that's a good point. I didn't really think about that. Like, television is fun. It's great that you get to, like, you know, build a relationship with people that lasts a long time, you know? And um, it's, it's real. It's it's so fascinating to watch the development of a story over seasons, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's some... There's some... Um, like, Wild specifically was a project that, you know, I had read that book months before. Yeah. It, you know, it was going to be a movie, and I was thrilled to be a part of that. Like, it's just such a fascinating story. And um, 
we're so excited to see it. Yeah, and yeah. That's also scary. You never, you never really know what it's going to look like. They might cut all of our people. It's totally possible. Oh, but. well, you never know. <laughs> you right? never know. Yeah. What is um? So, what is the most enjoyable thing for you that you're like after nine years here, but also time in Chicago that you find yourself like, you know what? I love this part of the job. I mean, it is really finding like a unique, perfect fit actor for a part. Especially when it's not maybe exactly how it was envisioned initially. Um, yeah, I would say there's just a whole lot of satisfaction in like a director being like, you know what, I hadn't thought about that that role in that way, but that makes total sense. So does this something like a situation like that, does it come up where okay, you do the breakdown, well, let's bring some people in for the pre read. Mm-hmm. and somebody maybe catches your attention and then you have to make that call like you know what you come back for the other call back I know that you're not exactly what the director wanted but I think this is uh-huh. whoever is might be worth seeing so and then that per- an actor comes in and does the call back and then in the discussions you have with the director afterwards or the producers that's the kind of conversation that might happen. Like, you know, I didn't yeah. think about that, but that was, thank you for bringing that person in. Yeah, um, it can happen, yeah, that way, or... Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that pretty well sums it up. <laughs> 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 Frankly. <laughs> Very cool. Mm-hmm. How much leeway do you have on different projects to do that kind of stuff? Um, depends on the project and... Um, and the rapport with the the folks, you know, um, <laughs> you know, we've worked on Grimm now for three whole seasons, and every once in a while, I'll throw them a real curveball, and our producer will kind of, the actor will leave the room and will kind of go, "I'm not sure if that's it, but thank you for, like, thank you. <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. at least he appreciates that, like we're asking him to think outside of the box just a little bit, you know." Interesting. Um. It really depends on, like in commercials, you can't do. That. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say that's it's a, well, it's unusual. I will okay, okay. No, I, and now I have to take that back because one of my favorite actors, I totally booked him on a huge commercial gig when he did not even kind of fit the specs. Interesting. Like they were looking for a comedic actor, but they wanted someone in in good shape in their 20s and um, and that's not the actor they ended up with but I just brought him best funniest actor I know and that was enough very cool very cool so that's, those are like the rewards like yeah know, I did something outside the box helped mm-hmm. them out helped, you know it was just cool to see kind of a connector in a sense mm-hmm. like I'm connecting you know it's like a networking party yes. so what do you think the biggest misconceptions are that from an actor's point of view of a casting director? Like, I don't know. I, I worry sometimes that we come off cold in some way. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know if that's a misconception necessarily, but... I look at it like... Like you don't want to give away one way or another. You just have to kind of go, okay, come on in. Let's do your part. I mean, that's then, part of it. And... And honestly, on a, from for me personally, I am just real chatty. 
So if I let myself, I could spend 20 minutes with every actor, but then I would never get through my schedule because, you know, we just discussed that I have to cast 12 parts in four hours. Fascinating. So, <laughs> if it were up to me... <laughs> that's really fun because, I mean, the few times I've been uh, in some auditions with you, it's like, I could tell you so, it's like, in and out, let's get, you gotta get going, we have mm-hmm. all these people, mm-hmm. you know, waiting... And this way you're like, I'm ready to be chatty, but right. I can't be. <laughs> right, totally. Totally. I pride myself on running a very, like, timely session. Like, I don't make people wait very often. You know what? I have to commend you on that. It's true. It's totally true. I've been on um, some auditions where it's like, wow, it's been waiting here for a while. So. I mean, sometimes that is not up to the casting director. When we are running enough behind, it is firmly the clients that are taking forever or, you know, mm-hmm. do have misrepresented how much they want to do with people. Um, but we do our best to respect yeah. people's time. Nothing's better than, like, an actor walking in and seeing uh, the audition and there's, like, ten people. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, I don't know who's... Cause it, the focus is, like, you walk in, you're like, you know, I, oh, I might you know you. Oh, you mean the clients? Yeah. yeah. the clients, like, I don't know who represents who and the clients and you're looking around and, and you're just waiting for somebody who's like, who am I supposed to read to or what's, who am I supposed to take direction from? Right. And then... I guess my advice there would just be to lock eyes with the casting director because we're usually trying to clue you in. Right. Because those are big rooms and they're... Um, they can be challenging for us to work as well. You know, they're, you're in a position there where you're kind of trying to volley back sometimes between an agency and a production company and, you know, so two producers and... A director and a couple writers, and, you know. Um, so if someone hasn't made it super clear who to look at, just look for us. <laughs> That's a good tip. Just yep. look for the casting director. Yeah. You know, and I've seen that in other uh, the casting houses in town too. When they get a bigger client and the client wants to do something a little differently, you could tell. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of fascinating. But. Um, totally. But um, it's interesting from a like. For something like uh, you know, Grimmer Leverage or the TV shows are coming. Even uh, Wild uh, for that film, you know, you come in, you get the material as an actor, and uh, I think the biggest thing I could I could suggest to other actors is like when you mm-hmm. offer, or if you still offer those, once in a while you offer those sort of. Um, no, not anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I got lucky. You did. You, you did. That was one of the biggest things for me personally was uh, to just sit down and see what you guys go through in terms of, you know, how close the camera is on us when we walk in. Because that was a revelation. Like, oh, I get it. So you're like, like all this other stuff I'm doing. I'm not even even looking at it. So what I got from that was simply like, guess what? The camera's right up in your face, right in your grill. Yep. And that's it. It doesn't matter how far you or where you are. You've zoomed in. And so it's just that frame is your face. And that, it's funny because after that session I had with you, um, then I was, then every time I got back into the, uh, I had an opportunity to pre-read, I was able to get some of the, the callbacks. Mm-hmm. I do have some funny stories that one. Um, so, yeah. So I went, the, the first callback I got for Grimm, uh, mm-hmm. the, I remember the note was like, can you do it with like uh, an Eastern European accent? So I went in, it was great. Met the, you know, the EP and mm-hmm. the director. And I did my bit, and the first thing out of the director's mouth was like, "What are you Hawaiian?" 
<laughs> I was laughing. I was like, <laughs> I go, not quite. I get a lot. Everybody thinks I am, but I think like, but I, obviously I don't look Eastern European. <laughs> yeah. And the second time I got a call back, it was really funny because afterwards the, the other director was said, what are you? And I said, oh, my mom's from Thailand. And then he said, and he finally, he said oh, it's how would he crop? So he starts talking to me in Thai a little bit. <laughs> That's so, pretty good. So I thought funny. I was like, those are just fun experiences. They're just fun little stories. Um, but um, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was fascinating because, because of that one opportunity to meet with you and see behind the scenes of what you see on your computer screen and how close that camera is in our faces mm-hmm. then it, it totally changed my perspective of going into the the, the auditions from this point on because I knew just to deliver in the small spaces as you're supposed to mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah you never know like you know, I mean it's a, a great brush up and I like I'm not saying that we'll never do it again just the way that the shows have lined up this year it's sort of right. a conflict of interest for us to do it while we're in the middle of the season yeah since yeah since the librarians has hit so hard on the tail of ah. grim that can you guys talk about that since it's been the trades now uh yeah i can talk a little bit about it what do you want to know <laughs> well what we saw was uh dean devlin right hmm? has come back yeah the creator of leverage has come back with an, uh, a show that was um, The Librarian was a miniseries, right? It's a yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Noah Wiley and uh, a lot of other prominent yeah, actors. Yeah. It's like it ain't messing around. For sure. And so he wants to do the series. Is it through mm-hmm. TNT as well again, his contract with yeah. him? Mm-hmm. And um, all I know is like it was all on the down low. Like you can hear in the acting community, you can hear the buzz about it. Sure. <laughs> and I think the question is to see. Um, I think for Portland actors to see your perspective of what you see that most people don't see is, um, you know, the difference between like a Portland actor and or the small group of actors uh, versus the L.A. based actors that have to that get cast. Sure. You know, we've worked with Electric for so many years now. Um, they're really a gracious group of, of people when it comes to booking our local talent and uh, larger roles. Um, I have to commend, yeah, the, um, leverage they did a they, lot of that. They real, they're a little easier to do that. I will say that nine times out of ten, when that if that guest star goes to Los Angeles, it's because they're, you know, they need to attract viewership with some well-known names. So sometimes it really behooves them to cast the bad guy with someone that people are going to recognize in the previews. Oh yeah. You know, that um, sometimes you need a guest star with some fan base already. Uh, but generally, they're extremely open and enthusiastic about our local actors, even in those larger roles, which makes our job really fun. That was really cool. I mean, because I could hear, I heard through the grapevine just a few people that I know that maybe had an opportunity. I don't know all the details of it, but just mm-hmm. to have an opportunity was just, that's fantastic. Yeah. No, they definitely have a real lovely, lovely appreciation for our local talent. But it's nice to not have to fight you know with with people that you don't know because we do have a really strong talent base here yeah people don't necessarily believe it if they've never worked here and they don't know people um so it's really nice to have them come back and we're like yep we got you we'll have fun it'll be a great season very cool very cool Mm when did you guys hear about uh the the librarian coming into the mix of things like how many months ago 
I want to say it was around the beginning of the year. But we really didn't know anything for sure, for sure, until until we started casting, which would have been about a month ago, I guess. Oh, wow. So until like it's like legit, because you can hear rumors all the time. And... I personally don't believe that anything is ever coming until we have a deal <laughs> memo. Like... Ever. <laughs> yeah, and you know, that's, that's a good motto to live by, for sure. <laughs> like, I've just been too excited about, you know, Brad Pitt and Edward Norton coming and doing Lewis and Clark through HBO. Oh. Oh, do you have a knife? Yes. Yeah. I cut that up. Thank you. Sorry. You know? Wait, which give was, me this. What is, which is the rumor this? that's been around since I've been in Portland, that, <laughs> that Ed Norton and Brad Pitt were going to do an HBO miniseries about Lewis and Clark and film it in the Northwest. It's all I want. If you guys are listening to this, you should really come to Oregon and film your project. But I don't think it, A, exists, or B, is ever going to happen, because I've been hearing this rumor Ten for... Years. Yeah. Yeah, so like, since I was in town, pretty much. <laughs> you might get, you know, Brad Smith and Edward... <laughs> Thornton. Thornton. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> if they have a budget, I'm open to their project as well. <laughs> That is fascinating. So, I'm sure I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this question since I got you here. What advice or things that you see between the um, LA talent or, or sort of what all the, the Hollywood execs that come in town to do their casting? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, what are kind of like what should local actors be aware of and what would you love to to see like um, improved or changed in terms of an actor coming into a pre-read on the talent side of things pre-read well I will say that um, I don't uh, you gotta be pretty well off book you know what unless you've got 10 pages or something yeah um but LA actors aren't on book. Everything off book thing. Pretty Thank much you, off really. book. Um, super ready. Uh, I think because maybe we have fewer opportunities to audition on a regular basis, it's a little harder to learn how to come in and just be comfortable and okay and have a nice time and not wig yourself out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's the energy that is read easily, and it reads as green, you know? Yeah. It's not, it's not ready, it's not professional. So there you go. If you're not comfortable in the auditioning process, uh-huh. then it's going to be totally picked up, because uh-huh. I've seen the camera you put on us, and it's right on our faces. Mm-hmm. And um, I can attest to that. I know that for pretty much the majority of the auditions I've had was like just getting off the cobwebs myself mm-hmm. and just getting used to the auditioning process again. Um, yeah, you know, just kicking myself like, oh my god, you know, it's like <laughs> just choking it left or right <laughs> to get to that place of letting go and just being. Mm-hmm. And you're right, there's not a, probably not enough, and and mo- probably the advice for other local actors is to continue just taking, um, stay in class. Yeah. My gosh, the number of actors that are like, do I need to update my headshot and resume? What's the problem here? Blah blah blah. And I'm like, well. What's the last time you were in class? Oh, 15 years ago. Mm. Like, well, there's your problem. <laughs> Clearly. I don't care if you were the best actor in the world in the 90s. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's irrelevant now. Yeah, just uh, 
just for that comfort level. Like the best actors that I know would never say that they're done learning. So yeah, it's just about staying fresh. It is. I can I can say that it's, it's actually funny. I had a pretty good year last year for Dennis, mm -hmm. um, and then. <laughs> And then I've gotten, I feel like I actually got stronger as an actor as the end of the year because I got more and more. I got more jobs. I was, I was taking classes. I was doing more of that. Mm -hmm. But now that I've taken more classes, like, um, I'm aware of the, the market, too. This is the Pacific Northwest market. So I was expecting not to, you know, basically get booked as much. Um, and it's, it's funny because I feel like I've gotten better as an actor, but I haven't got booked. <laughs> so it's like funny. So it, personally, on a personal challenge, I felt like, oh, I feel better. But it's, uh, but. Well, and on some level, that has to be enough because at the end of the day, it's not always about the best actor. Mm -hmm. It might be about the best actor who also has the right color hair or who looks the most like their guest star and we're trying to match that as a family. Like, it's just not always about you. Mm -hmm. Sounds sort of sad, but but I think that if you can um, learn that and understand that, then it can actually be quite freeing and take a lot of that pressure off that, like, you know what? Once you've left your audition, you just drop it. You can't do anything else about that. It's not your call. Right. I had interviewed Ted Rooney. You know, it, was, it was a great interview. I mean, just meeting up with him, talking to him about, just talking shop. I mean, he was just saying that <laughs> an actor's job is simply to audition. Mm -hmm. And even Dennis says that. Your job is to audition. Exactly. And if, you get the, and if you get the call back, then your job is to do the call back. And mm -hmm. if you get the gig, that's the icing in the cake, and you do your job. Totally. Nice. So. Mm -hmm. I guess in the first place is that you at least know that you're going to have study work for a chunk of time it makes it a little more predictable than just doing commercials mm -hmm. it makes it a lot more predictable than just doing commercials um, and we can usually map out a pretty good idea at least of when like the hiatuses will be will okay from the beginning of the season because then you'd be like okay cool I got to say I can take some time off <laughs> I can a little bit we recharge try to, my batteries we try to all kind of balance it out like yeah yeah, generally one of us gets a good chunk off uh, or away during hiatus. Very, very beginning of the year is frequently a good time to be away for a little bit. Okay. How big is the crew at Cast Iron? Uh, three of us full time. Oh, Lana okay. and myself and our amazing, amazing, wonderful associate, Ramiel, who doesn't get nearly enough credit, frankly. <laughs> like she, um, she's behind the scenes, so she's, you know the actors don't see her a whole lot. Yeah, she's, yeah. In the, she's in the office, but she's absolutely the reason that our office runs as well as it does she's the i daughter and the t crosser and um is she in the little office in the back yeah, there that nobody the, gets a chance to see exactly yeah I yes think. so she's i you know i don't even know that underappreciated is fair it's just she's just uh oh, you know she um okay sorry can, can you have a, a spoon so i can dish this up thank you sorry Raynell. What's her Ranielle. name? Wait, what's... Ranielle. Ranielle. Yes, like Danielle with an R. I've never heard of a name like that before. Me neither. <laughs> because I butchered it, it actually... People can remember it now. <laughs> Maybe. So we can She's used to people butchering her name then. <laughs> She'll Rainelle. probably forgive you. Okay, well then we definitely know who's behind the um, curtain, just like the wizard. Yes, yes. She is like the wizard. Absolutely. Very cool. Now, I never get... Like I said, I never get the chance to see Lana at all. 
Like, I only see you. Uh, and you then know. all the many, many assistants <laughs> that help you out, your yeah, readers got, and all that kind of stuff. We've got readers in and um, the gals who are on the front desk are awesome. And yeah, Lana's usually, she's out and about and popping around and meeting with clients and uh, you know, she's heavily involved in getting our legislation passed and ah. uh, that side of things. Um, so she's, you know, just kind of playing a, a different sort of role. But it company. makes sense. But I guess I can see where you're, how that would work for yeah. the dynamics of a of a small company like three people. Exactly. Very fascinating. So when you get. Um, the information when your clients come to you or the production meetings and says, "Okay, this is here's the roles we're looking for." Um, thank you. And here's the roles you're looking for. Your process? Um, do you just shoot out the breakdown to the agencies and let the agencies decide who they bring in, or do you? Well, the agencies get to decide who they submit. That's right. Yes. But then uh, we decide who to call in. Right. Um, now the agents. Not to say that they don't have any sway, that, you know, frequently I'll get a call after, right after the schedule goes out and it's, you know, Dennis or whoever saying, I appreciate the schedule, but, I, you know, I am not seeing this person on it. I really think um, that'd be good. And most of the time I'll accommodate that because they can't, you know, they're not advocating for every single person on their roster in that moment. You know, yeah, yeah. like I'll accept that feedback happily from agents when I know them and I know that they're not going to waste my time. So, you, you know, know, if you earn that, you know, you have your working relationship with your yes. agencies, the, there's certain agencies and if they make a special request that's outside of what has been asked and you can, you can make that call. But yeah, but you, like you said, if you, that happens all the time, you're like, my time's running out. I, you know, right. I just need you to submit for the breakdown what I have and right. let us decide who we need to bring in because time is limited. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's definitely a little, you know, a little bit of both of those. Yeah. I can imagine, you know, because the stress of like, okay, come on, get in in. So it's, uh, for any actor gets an opportunity to come in for a pre-read and audition. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is an honor. I mean, it's like, uh, I kind of like look at it as anytime you get a chance to audition is just a chance to perform for one to three people. You know? <laughs> sure, totally. <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> I think of my first time coming to, to meet you was I got um, it was for Leverage and I just t- completely butchered this pre-read, but it was pretty fun just to come in and just just tackle something you're just nervous and scared of, just like ah, and. Then mm-hmm. and Nobody was around, so I asked, like, I totally just screwed up the first reading. And then I said, hey, what if I do that again? And you're, like, looking around, like, well, there's nobody around, so <laughs> yeah. go for it. So, like, nobody's waiting or anything <laughs> right, like that. Right. <laughs> so um, that was pretty helpful. I do have the funny story about when I finally got um, got cast for Grimm that I was just so, uh, uh, you know, ecstatic because it was, like, I couldn't believe it. I was, like, pinching myself. That's like, <laughs> Because it was like, it was a, a lark a year and a half ago. Like, oh, let's just give it a shot. I remember completely butchering the um, the callback because the the reader, I don't know her name, but she was like this uh, very sh- very short. Lana. 
That's Lana. That's Lana. <laughs> she did it. She did such a amazing job in her conviction. Uh-huh. Like she was like chewing like gum and like her shoulders were bouncing and she came up to me and she was acting like Nick. And then she was like, "Is that Lana?" I mean, Lana is typically the reader at callbacks and she's, Interesting. She is petite. Yeah, okay, then hair. I've met Lana. I'm sure it is. She, I, I, get, I tell you, not, I'm not kidding. I was so not ready for her commitment to be so into the characters that it, because when you walk in and I'm looking for, you know, who I'm supposed to read off of, and then I look to the side and then she is, and she gives this really, really heartfelt conviction. Like, she's like Nick, you know, on the show. And it, I started cracking up. Because I wasn't, I wasn't ready for it. Because her Nick was just too good. It was just like she was like, hey, she was like, hey, any problems? And I was like, oh, okay, sorry, I wasn't ready for this commitment. Can we start again? And then I was able to just get through the lines, sure. but it was really funny. I was like, I left going, I can't believe I just screwed that up. I was just thinking like, I just because I was in the moment, but I was in the moment like, whoa, that's not who. <laughs> That's hilarious. (laughs) Yes, you met Lana. (laughs) Well, I want to hug her because she was so damn cute coming at me. I was like, if I can, this is audio, but if I can recreate, like her, her, gosh, she really got into it, the mannerisms. I was just like, oh my God. I was like, I go, come on, be professional. And then I I was floored that I got um, the opportunity. And it was as magical as you could want it to be for any actor to get a chance to be on that show. They treat you well. They give you that little trailer. They take care of you. And, like, I remember walking in, and they were rehearsing and just being part of that and uh, the whole cast and crew. And I remember leaving because I had an early early day. And I was like, that was just so... I go, I thought to myself, this will probably never happen again, so I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is. It's such a great day. I'll stop and get you guys donuts, probably what you don't need. But I just went to Voodoo Donuts and I dropped off a, uh, a big Oh, dozen. I remember you in all those donuts. <laughs> I think I gained five pounds that week. Because <laughs> I, well, you know, I'm not too sure. Like, I showed up and nobody's there. And I was like, you know what? It was just my way of saying, thank you so much. It's and so uh, just the opportunity. Oh, I've got another story for you. Mm-hmm. Just because you'll enjoy it. So I show up on that episode of Grimm. And so, like... Uh, um, like David, you know, you know, Nick, he's like, hey, how's it going? And I, I think he got me mixed up with, like, another. He goes, oh, didn't you like, work with us, like, last week? You know, probably a different one. I, I, and then I found out who it was, like, my doppelganger, John Beebe. Yeah, I was going to say. So was he, John and I bumped each other finally after uh-huh. so many, so long in an audition together. And we started cracking up because we right away, once you look at each other, you're like, oh, uh, okay, that's, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, got it. <laughs> Understandable. So he's, he's, he's telling me, because um, I've seen him in a, the reoccurring, um, his character, uh-huh. like Officer Mays, get on it. But um, this is a little fun story for you. So... Because Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio is on the show. In college, you know, I, I studied art. And so I have this painting that I did of her years ago. Because it was like a portrait pa- uh, class. Mm-hmm. And I just had taken from a magaz- uh, magazine article of her and I painted this painting. So it's still in my house. That like I have this college painting that I did of her. And um, just because I was a fan of hers is like made Marion from Robin Hood, you know? Yeah, so, totally. Yeah, so anyway, so tremendous actress, all this kind of stuff. So when John was telling me, like, yeah, you know, because they just aired the episode where he has to arrest her, 
And I was like, oh, you got me! Was like, oh, I got it. Like, it's probably good that you were there, John. Because like, if it was me arresting her, I'd probably just go for a, you know, backwards hug and i get get like, fired off the show. <laughs> so, it was like, so it was like we were watching the show and like I see John doing his bit and I was like, son of a... Oh, I'm so jealous. You got the arrester. <laughs> so anyway, just little funny stories. Totally. But, um, totally. I'm sure because most of the actors are probably going to listen to this thing. <laughs> and I'm going to try to think to myself, like, have I covered what was every- that one last thing? Uh, like, what? Can I give a terribly tacky piece of advice? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this makes me sound terrible, but, um, if you are going to gift us, like, we're all pretty much generally on some kind of a diet or something, Starbucks gift cards. The universal gift. Okay, there you go. See, that was my mistake. So let me let me back up here. I added like five pounds to Eric yep, because yep. of the voodoo yep. donuts I left. I mean, we love them, and it's certainly not like we're gonna. <laughs> but Starbucks, much better. It's, it's super safe. Doesn't yes. go bad. You know, <laughs> easy. We can split it up equally. I get. <laughs> if I get on Grim again, and I get to arrest Mary Elizabeth Masters okay. for the second time. Okay. Because <laughs> for some reason, for some reason, why is she? Because John Beebe's not yeah, around. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> actually, I love John because he he looks so good. He's uh, stern. He looks like he can like do some martial arts on you. Yeah. Yep. I look he at probably my, can. I think so. And then I look at my performance, and I look like I'm that cop that would eat the donuts. Like, <laughs> like so I. So anyway. This is, <laughs> but anyhow, if that happens, not only will it come back with Starbucks. Gift cards. <laughs> I love paintings of like Mary last Great. Mary Elizabeth Astor yes. holding really it. kind of strange <laughs> of paintings of our yep, that would be great. <laughs> so, <laughs> totally. So the thing is for actors from now on who get a chance to meet you, get a chance to do the pre pre read, do the first step of the mm-hmm. audition. Mm-hmm. Just be off book. Yeah, book. Be, be comfortable. Yeah, have, ready to have a good time. Have a good time. And it's not about you at the end of the day. No, it's not. If you can just come in. Oh, and my other little piece of advice is that if you do get an adjustment, take two minutes outside of when you're finished to write that down or, you know, jot down how that felt the second time. Because the number of times that I have an actor come in and... Um, at, at the callback, go back to the very first time they read instead of going oh, with the adjusted reading. That's a, yes, that's something. It happens a lot. So just as just a reminder, you do your pre-read, you do your first take on the performance or the character and the read, and then if you, Aaron, give you a note, an adjustment, you make that adjustment, and then all you say is, that's good, thank you. Uh-huh. You as an actor should remind yourself to make a mental note or any type of note to say the last performance is what you yep. want to see again if yep. you get the call back. Yes. So. Now, there are exceptions to that, but I will always call out the exception. I frequently, because, you know, no one's infallible, and, like, the only way we get to kind of those interesting places is by taking some risks, and they don't always work. So frequently, if I give a note, I could, I'll be like, would you try this for me? It might not work. And, um, you know, you take it and you do it. And I'm like, all right, thanks. That wasn't as strong as your first choice. So let's keep that first one. But thank you <laughs> right, for right, playing right. along with me today. You know, like, unless you hear that, you should assume that, that whatever you did second is what we want to see again. 
Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think that's the perfect way to end, and so you can have enough time to get to your class and enjoy the rest of the sunny, gosh, sunny-ish day, sunny spring day in Portland. This is odd. Yeah. Usually, usually it's like sunny and rain at the same time. Yeah, totally. I've never met. I've never been in a place where I've been blinded by the sunlight, but yeah, been rained on. (laughs) All at the same time. It's very (laughs) exciting. And that concluded my interview with Aaron Goodman, casting director at Cast Iron Studios up here in Portland, Oregon. And I forgot to mention that we actually met at Blossoming Lotus, so that's what the restaurant you were hearing. And um, I did get some uh, great feedback about the podcast so far. Um, Some were a little concerned about the background noise, um, but I've used these podcasts as a way to get out and drink and eat. So um, I'll do my best to see if I can't find quieter restaurants. But sometimes the need to get sustenance is um, important. (laughs) Anyway, if you like this podcast, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. And if you do so, also go to freegearguide.com to make sure you get your free gift, your free gear guide. It's an equipment list of everything that I use to make a feature film with no crew. And again, that's freegearguide.com. And thank you again for taking the time to listen to the Film Trooper podcast. And be sure to check out the upcoming episode because it's going to be a good one. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you.